Let's go ahead and take our Bibles together. Go back to the book of Proverbs. We're in chapter 28. You know, the Bible gives us wisdom about everything. Everything. And the verses tonight that we'll start on, starting in verse number 2, I just kept seeing this over and over with the with as the verses just descended and you might think this is a strange statement but you know the bible does touch on every issue so this is what i call wisdom and politics so we're at a political season so maybe this will be the number one view in a while on the on the youtube channel about politics and you say what's it got to do with me well it has a lot to do with you really And uh, we have to live under good or bad politics, and we have to pray uh, for those that are in authority. But the Bible gives us wisdom, not just about our personal life and our family and our church, but it gives wisdom to the nations, That and it's not followed. Maybe this, this will put some things in perspective for us. Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 2, the Bible says, For the transgression... Of a land. Many are the princes thereof, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. A poor man that oppresseth the poor is like a sweeping rain which leaveth no food. They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Evil men understand not judgment. But they that seek the Lord understand all things. Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. We're going to pick up a few more verses on down the text, but let's back up. And first of all, in verse number two is what I... I see politics and rulers. Have you ever wondered why we have the rulers we have? The Bible says in verse number 2, For the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. When authority figures are multiplied, when the bureaucracy of power is multiplied and begins to take Uh, more uh, intrusive issues in people's lives. The Bible says, for the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. The princes that are set up many times are in direct correlation to the transgressions that are going on in the land in which those princes are. If you'd hold your finger right there, you remember, I think, Daniel chapter 4, if you'd read that verse with me. God is involved in what is happening to the nations. And sadly, he gives nations, just like he does people, what they're asking for many times. He says in Daniel chapter 4 and verse number 15, excuse me, verse 25, Daniel 4 and verse number 25 The Bible says that they shall drive thee from men and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. This is spoken to the king. And they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven and seven times shall pass over thee till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men 
and giveth it to whomsoever he will. So if we believe what's said in that verse, then God gives kingdoms to men. So the question is, why does he give them to bad men? Because I find myself in a land, maybe all around the world, and I believe in God and I belong to him. Why is a bad man ruling my nation? Why are the princes that are multiplied in my nation, why are they there? Proverbs 28.2 says, For the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. So I, I believe that who God puts in charge of a land many times is based upon the sins, the iniquities, and the transgressions of the land. So what should we really expect our princes to be in America? You say, well, you know, I live here. I'm not the one committing the sins. And yeah, but 90-something percent of the people in this land live very wicked and godless lives. You say, well, well you know, well, what's God going to do for me? Well, God, God says you're a part of a different nation and he can take care of you in a strange land. Do you know, even in the wicked place of Babylon, did God not take care of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and that? Did He not take care of them? Did He not even enrich them? He took care of and God can do that for us. God's not limited with that. But even as you look back on the, on the history of the nation of Israel... So many times there was sin in the nation, there was transgression in the land, and so the ruler or the prince that was given to them was just a reflection of the transgression that was in the land. Wouldn't it be good if nations and kingdoms and peoples would stop and say, is God giving us what we deserve as far as the authorities that are ruling us? And would it not benefit us to judge ourselves and come to the place of repentance and maybe God would give us a better prince or a better ruler? I see something else here in this verse about, about rulers. He said in verse number 2, For the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. But look, look at the flip side of that in the rest of verse 2. But a man, so that's one person. you got multiple princes. But then he says on the other side of the verse, a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof, shall be prolonged. So you've got many princes and many changes. But here, because of transgression, but on the other side, if you've got a man of understanding and knowledge, you have a prolonged state under a single ruler, under a stable ruler. I think what he's also saying here is that many times the instability and the change back and forth of all the princes is a part of the judgment of God because of our transgressions instead of giving us a prolonged man of knowledge and understanding understanding and peace. Do you know, have you noticed that our country just flips back and forth all the time? And when the other ones get in power, they just change everything and it just, it just keeps going. Everybody just gets more angry and more divisive. And, and why is that? Because of the transgression of the land. God's not going to give you stability. Now you can have stability in your heart if you're saved. But this land is not going to have stability because there's too much transgression here. 
You might as well go ahead and buckle up. And that ought to make you buckle up with God even deeper. Because that means you're going to need Him more and more. You're not going to be able to lean on the Social Security Administration or the stability of the American might of the military or the financial prowess and, 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 and supremacy of the United States. We're going to have to trust God just like many of our brothers and sisters all around the world that don't live here have to trust God. Many princes, but that man that's a man of understanding and knowledge... That's a prolonged, stable authority. We don't have a lot of stable authority. People don't even have stable authority in, in, in many churches, in many places. It's just back and forth, changes in the home, authority. It's just... and, and he says, I'm telling you, these, all these princes are coming because of transgression. Maybe we have godless rulers that propose godless laws because we have godless people. I mean, the truth is God will give you what you want. He'll give you what you ask for. And so we shouldn't be surprised about all that. He says also, would you drop down to verse number 16? I I, I see that continuing because he talks about this man of understanding. I think this is a prince. This is a stable ruler that gets prolonged, not because the, the nation is filled with transgression, but, but they're a nation that has wisdom. He said in, in verse number 16, watch it, the prince that wanteth understanding, that directly goes back to verse 2. The prince that wanteth understanding is also a great oppressor. But he that hateth covetousness shall prolong his days. Not only does wisdom prolong the stability of the authority in a nation or a land or a home or a church, but also covetousness. A lack of covetousness will also prolong a stable authority in our life. Guys, how covetous is our land? God says if you're covetous, then you're not going to have a stable place. He says I'll make sure of that. So you know what that tells me? Look, I I can't control what happens to America or any other country. But I'll tell you one thing. I can make sure that I guard my heart against covetousness. Because I want my home to be stable. I want my brain to be stable. I want God to prolong a good authority in in my church and in my sphere of influence. And this is true. I'm telling you. Can you see the wisdom that God's telling us? Mark it down. Uh, Sir, mark it down. If you're the breadwinner in your home, if you get a covetous heart, then the stable authority in your home is going to break down. Is that you're not going to prolong good, stable authority with a covetous mentality. It will destroy your home. It'll destroy the stability of your home because your home and your children, they don't just need a dollar sign. They need the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God does not come from a covetous person. If that's what drives you, your life is going to be the biggest roller coaster that ever was. Amen. Just like our country. I remember all the way back 
in the 80s when they had the cliche during the presidential races. You know, it, it's the economy, stupid. And, and what they were saying is, Americans only care about one thing. They, they don't care about anything else, but how is this going to affect my pocketbook? Sure, we'll pro- we may just see a big change in our nation in a month. But you know what it's about? It's not about morality. And all it's going to lead to is more up and down and instability. Because it's not wisdom that's seeking a change. It's a pocketbook seeking a change. And we can stand in judgment on our land that way. But a lot of times saved people live their lives that way. And it's unwise. And it doesn't promote a prolonged peace and a prolonged wisdom and a prolonged stable authority in life. Is it any wonder, you know, when Israel split and the northern kingdom did not last near as long as the southern kingdom. Judah was prolonged and Israel went into captivity early. And that was for one reason. The condition of the sin of the land, of their hearts. And if we would look maybe at the condition of our lives based upon our hearts. Well, let's keep reading because uh, that's just verse 2. So I won't go to verse 3. So that's politics and rulers, what the Bible says about that. Verse number 3. A poor man oppresseth, a poor man that oppresseth the poor is like a sweeping rain which leaveth no food. Oppression. You know, we hear a lot about oppression. Governments oppress. Political things always talk about those that are being oppressed. Read the verse again that I just read in verse 16, and I'll connect it with government again. 16, the prince that wanteth understanding. In other words, he's, the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. He doesn't know what he needs to know. The prince that wanteth understanding is also a great what? Oppressor. When government, when authority oppresses its people... God says it is just an indication of a lack of understanding. It's a lack of the wisdom of God. Here in verse number 3, it's not just talking about a prince that is oppressing someone, but a poor man that oppresseth the poor. You know, you'd think a poor guy would not oppress another poor guy. But you know what? Some of the biggest bullies in all the world are people that have been bullied. Some people that treat the poor the worst are people who came out of that. Do you not see that? Look, if you do a little history lesson and you look back at, 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 at the politics of this world, when the communists took the power, they, they were the poor people. It wasn't the czars of Russia. No, it was these, these other people. And, and so it, it's this underclass. Listen now. That feels un, underprivileged. That revolts. And they take over. It doesn't matter if it's in communist Russia. It doesn't matter if it's in communist China. It doesn't matter if it's in socialist Venezuela or Argentina or Cuba. 
when these people that were underprivileged got the power, do you know they were the biggest oppressors that ever was? Why? A lack of the wisdom of God. You would think somebody that had been oppressed or bullied in their life or had been in that low position would treat people good. But that's not the way it works. Because without the wisdom of God, you don't have a brain in your head. You know, it's not smart to oppress people. You know, if you oppress people, it's just going to come back and hit you right in the teeth. God is against oppression. Now, He's for judgment. That's, not the, that's different. But oppression, God is not an oppressor. He doesn't oppress people. That, that's not going to work in a marriage. That's not going to work in the home. That's not going to work in the church. And it's not going to work in a country. And all that oppression that's going over there right now, it, it, there, th- that is a dynamite keg ready to go off. And it may affect the whole world. You know why? Because somebody doesn't have a brain in their head because they won't read what God said. You don't oppress people. Because he said a poor man, look at verse 3. A poor man that oppresseth the poor is like a sweeping rain which leaveth no food. Now usually when a rain comes in, it's going to make the crops grow. We're going to have plenty of food. But this oppressor, he's a a sweeping rain and nobody has anything to eat. And that's the outcome in Venezuela. And that's the outcome in Cuba. And that's the outcome come in Russia and that's the outcome every time oppression rises its head somebody's starving to death in their life and all these liberal progressives and many of them came up out of the inner cities that are taking power you know where it's going to lead to no food that's where it'll lead to so that's how's that for politics He said in verse number, this guy that's oppressing, verse 16, look how he's like. Verse 15 describes him. Proverbs 28, 15. As a roaring lion and a ranging bear, so is a wicked ruler over the poor people. Mm. I mean, he's like a grizzly bear, man. Has no mercy, has no grace, has no consideration. Like a roaring lion. That is not the way God, that's not the way God is going to rule. God is not an out-of-control bear. And you, we better thank God for that. God can kill people, but he does it calmly. That's right. He can judge nations, but he does it like this. And whenever you're out of control, you're just the person he's talking about here that's oppressing people. Even if you're right. And, and that, that's, what our, that's what, you know, the governments are like that oppresses people. I mean, has there ever been a bigger raid, ranging bear? I mean, look at Putin. Look what he's doing. He doesn't care what he does. But that that can be in America just as quick as you can blink your eyes. God says, all right, y'all going to live a wicked life. This is what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you princes. I'll let you be oppressed. And then look at verse number four. They that forsake the law praise the wicked. But such as keep the law contend with them. 
he's talking about, I, I, I'm just going to go with the context and go with the theme. How about politics and lawlessness? They that forsake the law praise the wicked. That's where we live. People don't like the law. Matter of fact, matter of fact, unless you're on the conservative side, you know, law don't even mean anything. We'll write, we'll break the law. They look, they don't care what the Supreme Court says. Matter of fact, they want to outlaw, they want to change all that. They don't even want the Constitution, which is the law of the land. Why? Because they're wicked and they want to praise the wicked. That's a result of bad politics. That's a result of a bad, wicked society. They forsake the law and they praise the wicked. You want to get praise in this society, just do something more wicked than anybody else. Despisers of the law. Despisers of the enforcers of the law. All together with those that are wicked and praising them. He said in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, about all that wicked crowd, they despise government. They don't want any, anyone to govern their life. Lawlessness, anarchy, and, and anarchy in the name of, of democracy. The French Revolution, they were cutting people's heads off, and there was no judge and there was no jury. And it's in the name of democracy. <laughs> yeah, unless you're on the other side. What a wicked society that would forsake the law and praise the wicked. Look at the rest. Well, how do we, what do we do, preacher? Look at verse 4. In verse 4. But such as keep the law, contend with them. Don't ever quit contending with the wicked. Don't lay down your sword. Don't lay down your beliefs. Don't lay down your convictions. Don't lay down the word of God. What this land needs is somebody to contend with the wicked, not go along with the wicked, not praise the wicked. And it doesn't matter if it's in your family or your neighborhood or your state or the state house or the white house we we are obligated to contend with the wicked why because we love god's law we love his way and we want to keep his law and there's not enough contenders with the wicked and i'm not talking about contending with political opinions i'm talking about content there's enough wicked stuff for you to fight amen they're not even anybody fights the liquor industry no more Nobody even thinks about that, except our little crowd down at the Jack Daniels barbecue thing. We had guys preaching on liquor down there, amen. Amen. We didn't even tell them to do that. Somebody needs to tell somebody that. They're not contending very much with the dope smokers. Yeah. And before you know it, Smoking dope will be legal right here. It will. And then all the rest of the dope. Somebody needs to contend with all that. Somebody needs to contend with all the... And I know you get tired of hearing about it because we're, we're so, we've heard about it so much we get sick to our stomach and you ought to get sick to your stomach about wickedness. But you shouldn't get sick to your stomach of contending with it. wrong because God says it's wrong that, that's how we continue with it you don't have to be arrogant you don't have to be ugly Just it's wrong 
Well, in this society, that's hard for people to do because we have riotous people. See, verse 7, the Bible says, Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. You just watch it if they do change things, brother. You'll have riots everywhere because we have a lawless, wicked society. And by the way, that's why we need to witness to people. You know, the greatest thing you can do for your country is lead somebody to Jesus. You know, if somebody gets saved, God changes them. And you know what I believe? I believe he not only changes them, I believe, I believe I've seen God change people's politics when they got saved. Change their whole life, their addictions, their habits, the things they like to do. Because salvation just changes things. The best thing we can do in our, in our country is give people the gospel. And instead of complaining about all things wrong, look, you can go demonstrate amen all you want to on the mall of the Capitol and you'll find out how that goes if you have a million, two million people with you. But I tell you what, you start, you start rescuing the perishing and care for the dying and watch people get born again and watch people get changed. You, is it any wonder that the inner cities are like they are because all the churches pulled out of the inner cities a long time ago? Ain't nobody preaching in the inner cities. You just turn them over to the devil. Well, if we're not careful, we'll just live our Christian life and turn over our society to the devil just by doing nothing. So if we want to do something, we need to get that gospel. All right, let's go to verse, well, look at verse 9. Got to get one more in there about the law. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. You know, God says... In a law-breaking society, God won't even listen to people's prayers. In a society that doesn't want to hear the law of God, God says, well, I'm not even going to hear their prayer. You know, the next 9-11 or nuclear holocaust or whatever we have, amen, this country may need to get a hold of God like it has in its past. But God says, if you turn your ear away from hearing the law, I don't even care what you pray. Well, we ought to embrace what God says because it helps our prayers. Look at verse number five. So politics and rulers, politics and oppression, politics and the law or lawbreakers. Verse number five. Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. Politics and judgment. You know, evil men do not understand the judgment of God. They just have, the prince does not understand. The the people do not understand the standards of right and wrong. They're willfully ignorant of so many things. Who, Who doesn't understand that if you kill, if you shed a man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. You know, such a great portion of our population and land does not believe that. Politics and, you know why? Because we have a land that does not believe in judgment. (laughs) They're opening up the prisons and letting them out all the time. Because they don't believe it's it's right to keep people in, in jail. And they get out, amen, and they kill somebody else and they molest somebody else and they steal from somebody else and they sell dope to somebody else. 
And well, you know, you just that, that's that's the movement. We need to let all the all the dopers out. Well, that'll make a wonderful society. Mm. Now you say, "Oh, preacher, I, I don't feel that way." Yeah, but you have a hard time disciplining your ch- children. It's the same problem. It is a misunderstanding or not appreciating or believing in the judgment of God. The same individual that wants to let people off is the same individual that wants to let his children off. Now look, judgment is not because the person is hated or despised. Judgment is a wonderful thing. The Bible says that Jesus loved judgment. God is a God of judgment. You know why? Without judgment, do you know without judgment, things just get worse and worse? Do you know if we start stringing people up and and killing people, amen, a day after they shot everybody, I guarantee you somebody think twice about doing some of that heinous wickedness that they're doing. But we live in a land of no judgment. And if you don't have judgment for child number one, what do you think child number two is going to do? If we're not consistent in our judgment then we're just, we're just ruining people's lives. And the Lord said that. You know, he that, you know, you hate your son if you don't discipline him, if you don't show judgment in his life. We live in a society that, that despises the idea that God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, and he did that as an example of his judgment. We have a society that doesn't, that doesn't accept that. You're being judgmental. Yeah. Because I'm not a fool. Just look at first, hold your finger, first Corinthians. Now, now we're talking about politics, but, but we're not just talking about politics. We're not just talking about judging your, in your family. You know what, what the hardest thing to do is church? Listen here. You know where we fail in judgment? I believe in the death penalty. I believe that. By the way, you know what the Bible says they did to people that committed adultery? He said it was a crime. We just don't believe in judgment. Our land doesn't believe in judgment at all. But you know what? God says this to you and me. You need to judge yourself. You can't do anything about the capital punishment laws. You can't do anything about letting people out of prison. You can't do anything about the law-breaking society that we have and that no people get off scot-free. You can't do anything about that. But you know what you can do? You can judge you. And you know why we don't judge ourselves? Because we don't love judgment and we're just as unwise as the people that don't love it out there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, you know, that he says people are... They, they, they just don't have any understanding. Evil men understand not judgment. Evil men. I, I don't want to be part of that. First Corinthians chapter 2, the Bible says in verse number 14, watch it. The context is just the same. 
But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. He doesn't understand. What does he not understand? Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. But he that is spiritual, what's the next word? Judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Next verse. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. If we have the mind of Christ, if we have the understanding of Christ, we judge all things. We understand that it's necessary. But it doesn't matter if I don't start with me and I don't judge me. Go back to our text in Proverbs. And when I judge me, this is what I've got to do. Look right there at Proverbs 28. He says in verse number 5, Evil men understand not judgment. But watch the flip side. This should be you and I. But they that seek the Lord understand all things. You know, the Bible says, There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. You know why people don't understand God's judgment? They're not seeking God. You know why I don't understand where I need to judge my life? You know, when we approach communion and we're supposed to judge ourselves, right? You know how you judge yourself? You seek God. Lord, I'm looking for you. And the more I look for you, Lord, the more I'm willing for you to search me and know my heart and see if there be some wicked way in me because I want those things in my life that aren't right to be judged. I don't want them to keep growing. I don't want them to get bigger. I don't want them to go unconfessed. Drop down to verse 13 right there in that, right there in Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. You see that? People that cover their sins are people that aren't seeking God. They're not looking for God in their life. They're just looking to get out of their trouble. He says, he, says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Watch it, watch it. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. But you know what? We usually don't confess our sins and forsake our sins if we're not looking for God, if we're not seeking God. If you're seeking God, it keeps you right with the Lord because you want to find Him. You want to know Him. You want to have a good relationship with Him. And so whatever in your life keeps you away from Him, you want to judge that. So as we talk about an evil man that understands not judgment, we need to look at our own hearts and say, are we seeking the Lord to understand the areas in our lives that we need to judge as well? We're very good. And I know you've heard it all your life. Judge not that you be not judged. Hey, it's all right to judge if you're spiritual. But a spiritual person, the first thing they do, they judge me. I judge me. Last thing, I'm finished. Verse 6. Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. I'll say something here that you won't hear anywhere else probably in America. Sometimes it's better to be poor. Because that's what it said. When's the last time you heard a politician get up and say, you know what, it may be good for you people to be poor. 
You know why they don't? No wisdom of God and a people that totally reject the wisdom of God. What does he say in that verse? He says, better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. You know what God's saying to us? He's saying that the value of your life is not what you have, but how you live. And the value of our lives, are you rich or you poor? We won't give you some more money. You'll make them more corrupt. You'll make them more miserable. The life needs to be changed. The heart needs to be changed. If we're not careful, we'll get in that same mode as God's people. Do you think it's better to be rich, to be poor and have an upright heart and an upright family? How hard do you work at your uprightness compared to how hard do you work at getting your bills paid? Is that fair? How much energy do you put into making sure that you don't go to the poorhouse? Versus how you in your life are walking the way God wants you to walk. I'm telling you, it's not just those wicked heathen out there that care everything about (laughs) you. You have to have the wisdom of God to say, it better be poor. It's better to be poor. You know, he didn't just say that once. I'll read it and be done because I'm sure this is going well. <laughs> that probably nobody in here. I tell you what, anybody want to sign up on the poor sheet? We don't, do we? God says it'd be better if you were poor and your life was different then have everything you have and you're not walking right. Proverbs 19, verse 1. He didn't just say it once. He really said it like three times. Proverbs 19, 1. Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Verse number 22 says, The desire of a man is his kindness And a poor man is better than a liar. I'm not telling you it's a mark of spirituality to be poor. I'm not. I'm not telling you that you ought not appreciate the goodness of the blessings of God upon your family. I'm not telling you that either. But I'm telling you this. If you start valuing your life by what you have instead of how you live, you have missed the boat. 